Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I want us to open our Bibles into 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter five. You know, when uh, when someone gives a prophetic word, we should, uh, you know, both those words we need to weigh them with scripture, right? And so we need to make sure that we're we're aligning. And the things I hear uh, in those words that line up with scripture is is there is a scripture that says we are being built together as a house of God. And so I believe that's the, that's the heart of what Tommy, what, what the Lord was getting at, is we are being built together to be the house for God. And I don't think, just to be clear, and if, if it wasn't clear, of course, of course Jesus is the rock. <laughs> and Tommy would definitely agree with that. So if that was, I think it was a little unclear, so I'm just clarifying a little bit for everybody. Jesus, of course, is the rock. He's the foundation. He's the cornerstone. But it also says that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So there's, God builds on people too. And so those are the two things that I think to bring it together and say, here, here's a clarification on what that is, is that God is, you know, Jesus is, of course, the cornerstone, the foundation. And then God takes his people and he's building a house uh, for his glory. Uh, so if that's helpful for you. Um, and of course, th- that Jesus is coming back soon is definitely true in the Bible. <laughs> Amen. We know he's coming back soon. Can we bring the, the lights back up all the way a little bit more? Um, I'm getting too old here. Um, there we go. Thank you. Thank you. Perfect. Um, so today we're going to look at another section uh, that relates to the, to the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's a little bit different way. We've been off and on in a series of the Holy Spirit uh, for quite a long time now. And we've had some breaks, of course, this summer and different things and guests. Uh, but there's, there's definitely a few more things that I want to highlight. And so we're going to read 1 Thessalonians 5, and we're going to start in verse 16. This is like at the end of the, this book called Thessalonians, which is really fun to say, um, and, or really hard to say. And the Apostle Paul is writing a letter. It's one of his earliest letters uh, to the church. And at the end, he just has all these. It's like at the end, he, he says, oh, yeah, and all these things. I need to tell you a few more things. Uh, so I'm just going to say them all like boom, 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 boom. I'm going to put like, you know, just five phrases together uh, and make sure that I get all this in. You know, I don't know if Paul was like thinking, maybe this is the only shot I get it, writing a letter or not. We don't know what he, you know, we don't know that Paul knew if, if this was it. So he He starts off here and he says this in 16. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. And so kind of the, the, the focus here is going to be on verse 19. Do not quench the Spirit. This is, this is a command in the Scriptures to not 
quench the Holy Spirit. Now, the word, the word uh, quench there is, is the idea... When I think of quench, when I hear that, that translation, I think of when I'm really thirsty and I get a drink, right? And my thirst is quenched. That's not what this word means. <laughs> That's not what it's talking about. What this word means is the picture is this. You have a fire and you put it out. You intentionally choke out the life from the fire. You put water on it. You, you cover it up with sand. You, you make it so it won't burn anymore. So that's why some of your bi- Bibles might say in that translation, don't put out the Spirit's fire. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Now, why would Paul say that to this group of people? You know, why, why would he, you know, all of a sudden he's got all these things on his mind, right? At the end, of it, it's like, he's like, oh yeah, I, I remembered. like, there's like seven things I need to tell you before I finish this letter, but I'm running out of papyrus paper here, so we're going to get them all in quickly. And so he says, rejoice, pray continually, do all this stuff. And he's like, don't quench the spirit, you know, test everything, hold, you know, hold on to what's good, reject every kind of evil. And so I think it's important is we look at the second letter of the Thessalonians and we get a little bit of a clue of why Paul says, don't quench the spirit. And then he talks about prophecy. So if you turn to 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 1 and 2, it says this. Holy Spirit, continue to open the word as we read it. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ... And are being gathered to him. We ask you brothers and sisters. Not to become easily unsettled. Or alarmed. By the teaching allegedly from us. Whether by a prophecy. Or by word of mouth. Or by letter. Asserting that the day of the Lord. Has already come. So we have a little clue here. Why Paul was saying this is this. Somebody gave a word that said, Jesus already came back. They must have done it publicly for enough people to know it, but it was somehow communicated, whether it was in written form or speaking form, that the day of the Lord has already come. And what is the fact of the matter is like, you missed it. (laughs) I mean, that's bad news, right? If you're a follower of Jesus in here and you miss the day of the Lord. Nobody wants to be left behind, right? Won't go into all that. I'm not going to do it then. (laughs) I can assure you when Jesus comes back, no matter what it is, I'm going with him. But so they had this. This idea that had permeated their, their, their church. And so um, here's what I think happened. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deduce from these scriptures here is this. Because somebody gave a prophecy that was a little bit off, that was wrong. It wasn't just a little bit off. This was totally wrong. We're not talking about just needed to tweak it. You know, we're talking about like absolutely untrue. <laughs> So what happens in our hearts sometimes is when someone abuses the Spirit's fire, the gifts of the Spirit or the moving of the Spirit or the activity of God's Holy Spirit, what do we do? We can sometimes pull back from all of it, right? We can sometimes go, man, I told you. I told you that stuff is weird. 
I told you that's, you know, when that, it's just, you can't, you can't, it gets out of control. Just whatever phrase, you know, or thing that you struggle with, or maybe not so directly, but you just, like in your heart, you just kind of pull back. So then the next time someone ministers and says, I feel like God's telling me this, right away before they say anything, you're like, nah, it's probably not. Like that last person was really strange, and so this, nah, this is probably not God. So you've already, you've already decided before you hear something, whether it's from God or not. And so I think that's so easy that that can happen. And so Paul says, hey, guess what? Don't put out the Spirit's fire. We have to guard in our hearts against anything that would try to quench the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because there's going to be things that are going to happen. There's going to be people that do wrong things in the name of the Lord or say this is the Holy Spirit. Some of them... We're actually the one that's wrong. We're like, that's not God. And God's like, uh, I didn't check with you <laughs> on what I could do or could not do. Thank you very much <laughs> for your opinion. But maybe it's not God. Maybe it's not. Does that close me off then to the activity and the work of the Holy Spirit? Do I... Do I put a little cover on the fire so it doesn't get too crazy? Because, man, I don't want it to get too, too crazy. I don't want God to do something that, you know, some people, when they're coming into the, the fullness of the Spirit, you know, they're very hesitant because they're like, I don't know about that. I, you know, that, that's different than I've experienced before. And so we're like, I, it's, that's why people choose all or nothing. Can you, can you believe? I understand. Look, I've been around long enough now. I've been in church long enough. I understand why people just go, you know, it's easier if I just say none of that happens today. And it's, you know, that was only in the book of Acts and God did it for a short period of time. And now we just, you know, that, that stuff doesn't, I don't have to worry about that anymore. And I just have the Bible. So I understand that. Uh, there's another uh, scripture I think that's relevant here. Uh, it's 2 Timothy uh, 1, 6, and 7. And Paul says this, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit God gave us, this is a different translation, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Or the traditional is, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. That's how I learned it growing up, so it's in my head like that. Uh, this, same, this is, is kind of like the opposite thing here, is the fire is going out, and I have to stir it up. I have to rekindle it. The word there, yeah, I want to say this Greek word because I, 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 I think it helps you understand. Anazo pyreo. Okay. You, you, did you hear the fire part there? Have you ever heard? You know, like little boys like to be pyros, right? <laughs> I mean, who do, what? 
We have a great story in our family that uh, you'll have to ask Nard or Dan or Ashley, uh, their family, uh, about fires and little boys. Um, it's, it's so exciting. But just what little boy does it, you know, our kids last week are out like getting the magnifying glass out in the backyard or whatever, and it's finally getting to where like, hey, this is almost really summer in, in Texas, you know, and we're going to hit 99 today. It's like, oh, this is feels normal. Um, you know, you get the magnifying glass and you can burn leaves. You can burn, because we like to, we, we want to, it's kind of cool. It's, I mean, they, that you can start a fire, that it's even possible, is amazing. Uh, you know, when we go to Boy Scout meetings, right, Evan? Uh, you know, and they, they teach them. I don't teach them anything because I don't know anything about camping, Boy Scouts, knives, ropes, n- nothing, okay? I am stick to guitars and computers and baseball. But so, I mean, they, they actually, you know, you have to start a fire from scratch, you know, you have to learn to put the little stuff there and then do, right, you know, you get the little flint and you strike it and then you, you know, get, get some action going because you're trying to, to start a fire. So Paul says the same thing to Timothy. And I don't know why Timothy was being timid with his gift. We don't know the reason why. Maybe it was something like this. Maybe it was something different. But there are things in our lives that come to us that want to squash and put out the fire of the gifts of God in our lives. Whether it's disappointment, whether it's misunderstanding, whether it's fear, whether it's doubt, whether it's personal failure, whatever it might be, there's things that come to us that want to put out the fire. And Paul says, look, you received this gift. You know, this was a full-on Pentecostal meeting. I laid my hands on you, and the Holy Spirit was released, and the gifts of God were released in you. And now I'm telling you, stir up that gift. So that word that... that Anaza pyreo, you know, we need to be pyro, let's, if we take away anything from this, let's be pyros for God, okay? (laughs) Can we be Holy Spirit pyros here? Okay, the idea of this word is to kindle up a dormant fire. Many of us, some of us, maybe we've allowed the gifts that God has given us to go dormant, to go quiet. You know what happens when you don't do what God tells you to do? The fire begins to get choked out a little bit. So I applaud Elizabeth for stepping out and saying, I feel like God is telling me to do this. A step of faith to, to boldly you know, step out and begin to say, okay, God, maybe I'm going to test this out and see if this is you. And so the same thing happens with Timothy is whatever this gift of God is in his life that was released through Paul, Paul's saying, hey, stir up the gift. Don't just go through life and go back to the way you were. I mean, isn't it, isn't it easier to not pursue God? I mean, isn't it easier to not believe God for miracles? Isn't it easier not to press in to relationship with the Holy Spirit and allow Him do supernatural and stretching and uncomfortable things? Yeah, it's a lot easier. But it's a lot more rewarding when you actually step out in faith and you see God do something. You know, I had this happen to me. I I have to be honest with you. In 2008, uh, there was a revival. Revival meetings began to happen in Lakeland, Florida. Do anybody remember that? Anybody remember those meetings? And so, man, I was like, I was psyched about this stuff like crazy. I was super excited about what was going on. It was a little bit different, a little bit strange. You know, whenever there's revival meetings, there's always people pointing fingers saying, this is God and this is not God. Uh, and I can I can be one of those people sometimes too. So, 
they're not total losers. But, um, you know, so all this stuff is going on. But I was like, God, I really just, I want to see you do something amazing. And so my heart was kind of all in. And then, then what happened? The whole thing blew up. Because the leader who was leading this revival messed up. He sinned. I'm not going to go into all that because I don't want to glorify and give honor to that. or It doesn't really matter. So guess what? My, my, was, my heart became a little bit hesitant to the working of the Holy Spirit. And then what happened a couple years later? Guess what? I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for my mom to be healed of cancer, and she died. I watched her wither away with like skin and bones in a hospice hospital while I was praying for God to heal her. And so those things happen, and so the next time when I go to do something for the Lord, or there's some activity of the Holy Spirit, there's a part of my heart that's like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of quenching. I'm kind of like, hey, I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to go too far, whatever that is. I don't want to go too far in prayer, or, you know, believing God, because what if it doesn't happen? I might be disappointed again, or I don't want to go too far in this. What if I get caught up in something and, you know, I'm going to be deceived or I'm going to be led astray or even worse, you know, there's going to be some other person. I won't use the language I was thinking of. Uh, it wasn't a cuss word or anything, but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, some other person that will mess something up. I mean, there's nothing that makes me more angry, I think, is when someone stands up and says, I believe in Jesus and then does something publicly to embarrass Jesus and his church. But it's a whole lot easier to point the finger than it is to live the life. (laughs) It's a whole lot easier to point the finger because then there's not a finger pointing at me about my shortcomings and how I fall short of the glory of God and how I am not uh, complete. And so all of us have times where we have to come to the reality of, am I going to allow the fire to be rekindled? Am I going to allow the gifts of God to be released in my life? Am I going to allow the activity and the work of the Holy Spirit? Or is there a lid? Do I have a lid on the work of the Holy Spirit in my life? Is there like, is there like a level where I go, God, you can go this far, but I'm not, I'm not doing that. Have you ever told God that? Like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I am not going to this level, whatever that level. I'm not going to do that thing that you, you know... I don't care if you do it for Brandy or Ashley or Jerry or Michael or anyone else, but I'm not going to do that. Doesn't ever work. God has a sense of humor. Let me let me tell you. Um, if, if you all ever notice, and I don't want to bring all attention to myself, but if you, you all notice that my hand shakes sometimes when I'm preaching, uh, I'm not coming down with a disease. It's happened for a long time. Uh, there was, I had an encounter with God at camp in 2006. And I, I witnessed and saw the power of God work through me like I'd never experienced in my life. And my hands shook and everybody I touched was mowed down to the ground. It's like they were being electrocuted by, by the power of God. I did not know it was me. I, I, I mean, I knew it wasn't me. <laughs> I did not know it was me. <laughs> it was very clear that this was me. And, you know, now here's the thing. Does that happen every time I pray for people now? 
No. But every time I get in the presence of God, my hand shakes. If I'm not like tuning myself in an, you know, to, the, to the work of God and the Holy Spirit, my hand doesn't shake. But you want to know what I said when I visited Bethel Church? And there was a lot of manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And there was this person, this guy worshiping, and he had his hands up, and he was like shaking like crazy. And I said, that is really stupid. God would, that can't be God. So I just want to let you know why that happens to me. It's just a reminder of me saying, don't be too quick to judge whether that's the Holy Spirit or not. But all of us, we, get, we, get, we have disappointment. Now. Life happens, right? And so we, we can either be like the Thessalonians, where obviously there's a reason that Paul said, hey, don't quench the Spirit. In other words, and he specifically said prophecies, because that was their issue. But, but we don't know if it was a different issue for Timothy. Whatever happened in his life, where maybe it was just opposition. Maybe people were, were critical of him. Maybe he stepped out and did something from God. And then, you know, people are, you know, all the church people are talking. And he's like, oh, I don't want to do that again. That was not worth the criticism or the, you know, all the things that people said about me. We don't know. We don't know if it's from misuse, lack of use, lack of opportunity, disappointment, whatever it is. But God is calling us to say, look, you have to stir up your gift. Sometimes you have to stir up your gift. You have to say, no, I'm going to do this. Paul doesn't say, let God stir up the gift. Paul doesn't say to Timothy, I'm going to come pray for you. When, you, when the Apostle Paul lays hands on you, the gift will be stirred again. <laughs> Just get the pastor to pray for you. No, he says, you stir it up. You do the things in your life that encourage the work of God and the activity of the Holy Spirit in your own relationship with Him. So whatever that is, you know, you're like, what have you, you know, if you find yourself in a season where you're like, God, I feel like, you know, there's nothing happening right now. Or maybe there's no, there's a lack of opportunity. A lot of people have gifts and they get in a church And it may be even in this church. And for some reason, the leaders are imperfect. For some reason, God did not give perfect leaders to the church. And they don't recognize your gift. And they don't give you an opportunity to use it. Because they're super imperfect. I'm talking about myself, not Ashley. She's only slightly imperfect. (laughs) I'm super imperfect. And so, let me, it's like, well, they haven't given me an opportunity to use my gift. Uh-oh. Now we're preaching, right? <laughs> hey, whether I get a clue or not, use your gift. Whether I ask you or not, use your gift. Whether I affirm you or not, use your gift. Whether I say it's a great gift or not, affirm your gift or someone else, your spouse, whoever it is that you're like, God, I just wish someone would say something to me. And he's saying, I'm saying something to you. 
You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. And I have given you this gift. But don't put out the fire. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. So I don't know if God's speaking to you about that. You're right. You could be on fire right now. You're like, them, and the fire is burning bright. Then guess what? Just be ready for when that season comes where something or someone or some situation tries to put a lid on the fire and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. It's a command in Scripture not to stop the Holy Spirit's work. It's a sin to stop the Holy Spirit's work. So what does it go on? It goes on in the Scripture here. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. You know, and this looks like possibly the issue that the Thessalonians were dealing with. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. I was reading last night, I just happened to start reading this book. Uh, It's by a classical... Uh, a classic Christian man of God named R.A. Torrey. And he wrote a book called The Work of the Holy Spirit, something like that. I don't even remember the title. It's on my 2003 Amazon Kindle or whatever. <laughs> and so yeah, they still works. Whatever age. It's, long, it's super old. Uh, and so I'm reading this book, and I'm like, I'm just going to read this before bed. I mean, I knew what I was preaching on and all this. And so uh, it's talking about that only the Holy Spirit can do the work. But it, this line was in there. It said, the Holy Spirit needs a human mouth to speak through. But because the Holy Spirit is speaking through a human mouth, we can rightfully test what the human mouth is saying. And say, is that God or not? And that's what Paul says here, right here. Don't despise the prophetic word. I'm not going there. (laughs) My wife's shaking her head. She's in here today. There's like thoughts where I go, I'm going to go somewhere. And I'm like, no, that's, I don't think that's helpful right now. Um, It's probably just John. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them. You know, in the, in the Pentecostal spirit-filled world, sometimes I think we miss the second half of this verse. And that's why some people despise prophecies. We should be all right with someone giving a prophetic word and somebody else saying, no, that's not it. Now, does that, does that make you uncomfortable about sharing a prophetic word? I hope so. (laughs) But in other words, if God is going to empower me to share a word from him to someone else, I have to be mature enough for that someone else to say, you're crazy. (laughs) Most likely, it's probably not going to be that bad. It's probably just going to need a tweaking. It's probably just going to need a little bit of like, hey, what about this? Maybe is this what God meant? You know, and you, you go back to the word. Because one way we can test all prophetic words is, is, is through, through the, the written word of God. 
I mean, is there always a, cor- a direct correlation? No, there's not. Sometimes we have to make application and try to find, okay, what's, what is this saying? Um, and so, but we need to test the words that are given. You know, there's all kinds of craziness that goes on, and that's why some of us get tired and we, and we throw out everything, right? You know, all the prophets are saying this one thing. But if they all miss, then guess what? We need to say, you missed it. That's why I don't follow. If, if I have somebody who publicly makes a word and has a ministry that's influential, and they don't apologize when they miss it, I'm not going to listen to you. I don't care if you're on the TV channel. I don't care if you're on the Elijah list. I don't care what. I don't care if you have 250 million followers on Instagram. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care. If you miss it and you're not willing to say, I was wrong, I don't need to listen to you. Because you're not submitted to correction and authority. And again, it could be me missing it too. I understand that. I have to go to Jesus and say, but if it's clearly not from God, doesn't come to pass, doesn't line up with the word of God, just because a person has a hundred other words that were right on and correct, and that's where we, we, swing, we swing one of two ways in the church world, right? Either we're all into all of it, and it's like, yes, everything, this is all God, or we say, none of it, look, that, look at those six people, they missed it. Never mind the 250,000 other things that were correct, but those six things right there mean that, no, it's all, it's all out. But what we need to come back to is, here's what I want to see. I want to see the Pentecostal fire and power of God that is lined up with the Word of God where we can join the Word and the Spirit together and have the fullness of what God intended where we can say, hey, I can test this. You in, in 1 Corinthians 14, it tells us one way to test prophecy is this. It says, follow, this is verse 1 through 3, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. It's okay to desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies, it's talking about, you know, publicly, you know, there was a you're not, if you're just going to speak in tongues, you never explain it, then that only builds you up. And that's fine. Do that personally. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. See, this is prophecy in the New Testament. This is how we know, is this, is this, you know, this is how we test it. Does it strengthen and encourage the body? Does it, does it release the, the comfort of the Lord to to, does it increase faith? Does it, does it allow us to trust Him more? There's another part in 1 Corinthians 12 at the start. It says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. And no one says Jesus be cursed if you know, they don't have the Spirit. In other words, the, the Word is always going to be honoring Jesus and His Lordship as well. At the end of 1 Corinthians 14... It says this, two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said or evaluate or test.
And so we need, we need both. We need both. We need to say, don't quench the Spirit, but we need to not be afraid to test and say, is this God? And I believe that's how we get to the, the actual true revival that God wants to see because He doesn't want just wildfire, but He doesn't want no fire. I mean, Sister Amy, Simple McPherson, always said this. <laughs> She'd rather have wildfire than no fire because it's easier to, to, to ease up on something that it, than it is to raise the dead. So I kind of line up with her. I'd rather have a little extra fire than no fire. But I'm totally committed to the word that says, let's test these things. If you read something online by some cool person that seems amazing, let's test it. Let's not just buy in. Maybe, maybe we even totally agree with it, but it, it, is it God? Let's test it and say, does this line up with Scripture? Does this, does this build up the church? Is, is this coming true? Is this coming to pass? Anyway, I might get off track here a little bit. But, um, <laughs> you know, going back to Elizabeth's word, you know, there's all kinds of craziness going on about end times right now. You know, every, everything is, you know... This could be the mark of the beast and all that stuff. Again, I'm could be. Let me tell you this. As a follower of Jesus, you're not going to accidentally take the mark of the beast. And here's what I see in the Christian world stirred up when we start talking about the end times. Fear. Oh my gosh, this is happening. The end times, the return of Jesus... Is to, should be stirring anticipation, not trepidation, not fear. And if I find myself being drawn to somebody that is increasing the fear in my life, does that pass the test? Is that strengthening and encouraging me in my walk with God? Or is it causing me to just be afraid of what could happen? For God did not give me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Some of us need to turn off those voices that increase fear in our lives. Maybe, maybe the voice isn't wrong. Maybe it has nothing to do with the voice. Maybe it has to do with your response to the voice. But if it stirs up fear in you, turn it off. I mean, I'm not even hardly watching anything right now because <laughs> it all seems too crazy. It's like you go on, go on social media and we just find one more new thing to fight about. I mean, of course I'm right. And so is every, everybody else thinks that, right? That's the problem with social media is everybody thinks they're 100% right. But maturity says this, I'm willing to be tested and found wrong and be okay with it and grow from it. You know, in the Old Testament, when a prophet got it wrong, they were supposed to stone him or her. 
right? Guess what? We're not in the Old Testament. We're not in the Old Covenant. Praise the Lord. We don't burn down houses when we find mildew in them, right? We get out the spray. (laughs) So likewise, in the New Covenant, God doesn't teach us to say, if they miss it once, we hang them. But if they miss it once and they're not willing to be corrected, then I need to say, maybe I need to not hang out with you or not listen to you anymore. Is that helpful? So this was kind of an encouraging, and then it was kind of like a, oh, like, here's some boundaries for our lives. We need to have the boundaries there. You know, when you have boundaries, you can go a lot faster. Because then you're not, it's like bullying. (laughs) <laughs> the youth went bowling without me no i jerry i'm not saying jerry didn't invite me um but uh and just when i was just when we're gonna have start having fun i'm out of the youth group okay um so the youth group went bowling but you know when you bowl um first of all most of you are horrible bowlers you all, you know it you're, you're horrible okay and there's a gutter there but in some bowling alleys you know they have this amazing thing where you can flip up these sides, right? The little little bumpers that you put out for the two-year-olds. <laughs> when, you've got, when you've got boundaries, man, you can just go ahead and go for it because <laughs> it's going to hit something. Sometimes boundaries allow us to be more confident and we're not afraid of getting in the gutter so much. Where we can go, okay, here's the boundaries God has given. Now I can just run forward. Let's go forward. Let's just go with Jesus right now. Let's go with what the Holy Spirit's saying. I'm, I'm moving forward. I'm going to be confident. I'm not going to be like, oh my gosh, what if I fall in the gutter? You know, the boundaries help us. You know, the word and the, the, the word of truth and the spirit of truth are the boundaries in our lives that allow us to move forward to where we can see a strike. You don't even have to be good to get a strike when you have boundaries. When you have when you have the barriers there, you just get lucky. <laughs> okay, so the illustration breaks down. I get that. Okay, I don't want us to just get lucky, but you know what? If you're operating within the boundaries of God, guess what? You're going to hit more than you miss. And so that's really the heart uh, of these scriptures. I believe is that we would have the fire of God burning in our hearts. But we'd be willing to be teachable and corrected and tested to say, is this really God? And I can grow and recognize who he is and his voice and how he uses my gift by being wrong, sometimes better than by being right. You know, at my dad's ministry school, or the, not my dad's, the ministry school that my dad serves at, at Victory Christian Center in uh, Houston, they have a, you know, they have a school of supernatural ministry. And they require their students to miss it three times. They're like, if you haven't messed up and gotten it wrong and stepping out and like asking someone, hey, is this true about you? And they're like, no. You're like, well, how about this? No. Well, could it be this? No. (laughs) Oh, I guess I was wrong. That wasn't God. That wasn't the Holy Spirit speaking to me. They required them to mess up at least three times in order to graduate. You're like, why? Because that's how you learn. 
If you never mess up, if it's totally safe, then guess what? You're never going to be stretched and grow to a, to a, a higher place. So anyway, I leave you with that. Let's pray. If you stand up. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to have our leaders up here. If you need prayer, if you need uh, healing, if you still need to give your life to Jesus, uh, if you need prayer for a breakthrough in anything, we're going to have several leaders up front right after I pray over us. But Lord, right now, we just submit to your authority and your lordship. We say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. We say, Jesus, you can... You can Allow and use your Holy Spirit to work in my life however you desire. God, if any of us have let gifts, just the fire go out. Lord, we pray for a stirring to happen. We pray that we we choose to take a step of faith and stir up the gift of God that's within us. Maybe it's one we haven't used for a lot of years and we're like, oh yeah, I remember God used to do this in my life. And just, in, just begin to pray about that. Just begin to seek God about that and say, Lord, I want to I I be empowered once again to operate in this gifting that you gave me. Maybe you've been seeking God for uh, gifts and it's okay to desire spiritual gift. It says that in scripture. It says it's okay to want them. And so, Lord, we choose to say we're seeking you, but we are seeking anything that you want to release in our lives. We want it released. And help us, God, for those of us that have experienced disappointment or misunderstanding or misuse or abuse, spiritual abuse in any way, Lord, that we wouldn't side with those who would quench the Spirit, but we would say, Lord, we're not going to put out the Spirit's fire. We're going to allow the Spirit to burn brightly. Holy Spirit, you're welcome to do what you want in my life. Holy Spirit, I trust you that you're going to lead me into all truth. Thank you for the community that will keep me grounded in truth, in the word. And we choose to go forward, Lord, with confidence and with faith. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, come on up. If you need to see these people about home group right here, this tall young man right here in the blue shirt, see Michael and Elizabeth about home group tonight. And be blessed if you need to go. Yeah.